0: Welcome to the podcast we call Soul Chaser, featuring stories from the book by the same name, Soul Chaser. This is Jordan Rich, and by my side is author Lauren Decker. We want to spend time with you today at soul level, awakening our spirits to the simple and beautiful idea that God is love and love is everywhere.
1: I saw this once before, a picture in my mind, colors in the air. on a field, lovers in a dance, love is everywhere, mm, love is everywhere.
0: And now, today's installment of Soul Chaser.
1: Hello again everyone, I'm Jim Deering for Lauren Decker. We have another story today about how God shows himself and his grace in everyday things. Our Bible verse for today comes from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, in chapter 28, verse 16. Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. A good father allows his son to stand upon his shoulders. From there, he can get a pretty good glimpse of the future. Today's story is called Fires and Foundations. A Cushnet, a little town which borders on the famous seaport of New Bedford, Massachusetts, is foundational to my life experience. It's the town where I grew up. My father, the Reverend Stanley Decker, left his childhood home in upstate New York to settle in a He answered a posting for a pastoral position and came to be cleric of the local Baptist church. Oddly enough, he had heard of a some ten years before becoming the pastor. An article on the Newswire was picked up by the local paper in his hometown, by chance a slow newsweek meant that the article actually made it to the press my father had a paper route in rural new york and happened upon the story apparently he never forgot it it was a less than complimentary story about the all-volunteer akushnet fire brigade and how their plodding responses to alarms gave them a reputation for saving foundations not the actual homes in question. A Kushna was named for the tribe of Native Americans who lived there centuries before my family came along. The Kushna Indians were mostly friendly folk. They had a few off years of being disagreeable when they rallied behind one chieftain called Philip who led an insurrection against the advancing white man, a.k.a. King Philip's War. Plymouth Plantation and other neighboring settlements became locked in battle with the displaced tribes of Native Americans. The Kushanas burned the white men's homes to the ground, within their own territory, leaving only smoldering foundations. No doubt a foreshadowing of things to come. The sturdy settlers rebuilt their homes, however, and the local Indians eventually settled back in next to them. Apparently, they would rather fish then fight. By the time my father came to town, Cushnet was emerging as a bedroom community, a suburb of New Bedford and Fall River, close enough to the Boston Beltway to be a favorable spot for the new commuters. No doubt Dad appreciated the location of the church parsonage, his new home. It was a quarter mile from the local firehouse. Volunteer firefighters arrived at breakneck speeds whenever the old alarm on top of the barn, sounded. Now the barn, or firehouse, was just big enough to house the two old fire trucks that were owned by the town. Whenever a blaze broke out, the siren atop the building would wind its way towards full volume, a sound that could be heard for many miles. The volunteers would respond, the first ones there would take truck number one, and the rest would come along in old number two. A slate blackboard inside the barn would cite the address of the fire hastily scrawled in white chalk as a guide for latecomers to come this was key for my dad at the first sound of the wailing alarm my father would spring into action he would run the short distance to the firehouse check the address written on the blackboard and more often than not he would race back home hop in his osmobile and rush to the scene Once there, he would console victims, or help run a hose. He did whatever was needed. It was a fine day for me when he finally considered me old enough to ride along with him on one of these missions. Thereafter, at the first sound of the siren, we would look at each other with that sense of excitement that comes only from a dramatic interruption in the routine. I would match him in stride down Main Street, past Bud Harding's gas station, and into the open door of the barn. Dad would check the chalkboard, and depending on the information there, he would grab my arm and sprint back to the Decker driveway, where the Olds was waiting. Let's go, he would say. The V-8 would roar into action, and off we would race, to lend a hand as best we could. Lending aid was an expected part of the fabric and history of a Cushnet. We have Laura Keene to thank for that. There's a road named in her honor in the southeast side of town. She is a foundational character in the story of Akushnet, and, indeed, in the story of the United States. Laura Keene was a British-born actress who had a fairly good run as a leading lady in the live theater of the Civil War period. Her chief claim to fame came in April of 1865 when she took the stage at Ford's Theater in the nation's capital. The President of the United States was in attendance on Saturday, the 15th of that month, to catch Laura's performance in Our American Cousin. Also in attendance was John Wilkes Booth, who entered the theater and climbed up the back stairs to the Presidential Viewing Box, where he would put a single bullet in the back of the head "'of the unsuspecting president. "'Booth then jumped to the stage below and screamed, "'Thus it is with tyrants!' "'Many in attendance pegged Mr. Booth "'as part of the evening's performance. "'Some in the audience even applauded. "'Miss Keene, however, ran to the edge of the stage, "'calling for a doctor in the house. "'She then dashed up to the stricken leader, "'cradled his bleeding head in her lap, "'until medical help arrived.' So shaken by the assassination was Miss Keene that she retired from the theater and moved to, of all places, a kushnet. There she lived out her days on a farm in relative seclusion. No doubt she was asked to tell the story of that fateful night in Washington over and over again. She became enough of a local celebrity to have an avenue named in her honor. If you go there today you'll see her old farmhouse still standing. The foundation is secure. I have long since moved from a although I did not settle far from my roots. I now live just one town over, but I don't go back much. Things are too different now. The Baptist Parsonage, my boyhood home, was sold and moved by truck to a different location. It was pulled right up and off its foundation. The old firehouse stands empty, replaced by a modern downtown facility featuring state-of-the-art rescue and fire trucks. There are no more volunteer firemen either. A full-time firefighting staff mans the new station. If ever one was interested, the old chalkboard is still visible on the back wall of the now vacant barn that once housed old number one and number two. You can see it if you put your face close to the window and block the light by cupping your hands against the glass. It hangs there like a museum piece. If ever I do go back looking, I sense my dad won't be far behind. I then imagine the old alarm beginning its winding into a full wail and my dad sprinting home from the station saying, Let's go! I guess, in the end, Dad did better than just saving a foundation. For he, the pastor from a gave me mine. Love is
0: everywhere. Love is everywhere. This has been Soul Chaser. We hope this program has caused you to consider the vastness of God's love for you. Nothing is going to change that reality, but love can certainly change you. Remember, love is everywhere, and God is love. For more stories with a purpose, pick up a copy of Soul Chaser, Devotions to Anchor the Soul, available on our website, soulchaserbook.com, or find it at amazon.com. This is Jordan Rich for Lauren Decker and Soul Chaser. See you next time.